When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Tara Cooper. She is a DEI consultant. You can find her on LinkedIn. She's been doing this for a while, and we're happy to have her on the Learning Unlocked podcast. Tara, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. Why don't you give our audience a little sense of your your background? How did you get into being a DEI consultant? Sure. So it's actually interesting. I started out in education. I was actually working in higher ed, and I was working with students from underrepresented backgrounds. And it was really fascinating because in doing that work, you know, oftentimes, you think about underrepresented students, so you're thinking of students of color. But as I worked in different institutions, I really began to understand diversity in really broad terms where it wasn't just, you know, students of color, but it was students of um, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different abilities. Uh, sometimes I was, I remember I even worked at a school where it was student athletes were considered students that were underrepresented or had diverse needs. And so it, it really helped me to see different populations and focus on the needs of what different groups were going through. And that was my introduction actually to diversity and inclusion. And over the years, um, that's just always been a focus of my work. Like how do we bring communities together and really pay attention to what is it that people need and how are we including everyone and making sure that they have access to what they need, uh, that they're represented and that everyone has a space at the table. How have things evolved since when you started to now? Oh, my goodness. It's it's like front of mind for everyone, especially, you know, after the past few years of the pandemic and things that have been happening nationally. It is definitely on the forefront where people are paying more attention. And I think especially here in the U.S. where diversity, we're seeing more forms of diversity than we ever have. And whether you're talking about in schools or in the workplace, and people are really paying attention to it in a different way and wanting to make sure that everyone has a fair shot, you know, and no one's being held back and that people have access to opportunities and and having a chance to succeed. And so you see people paying more attention and being more mindful. And it's actually really great to be able to have conversations that we weren't able to have before. Why do you think we weren't able to have those conversations before? 
That's a really, that's a really good question. Before the conversation, I think was so steeped in the racial divide and black and white, honestly, and it was such a scary conversation for folks uh, that people just kind of stayed away from it. But now it's become so much broader. And I think racism and, and race issues are still a huge part of it. It's It's gone far beyond that, of course. But we've come to this place of reckoning where people don't want to be silent anymore. I don't know where there was like a fear or a silencing where people couldn't or didn't want to confront it anymore. I think people are like, no more. We got to talk about these things. You know, we're too advanced as a, as a society to not being willing to talk about these things and to confront the things that we need to confront because there's no reason why someone shouldn't be able to advance or should be held back based on the color of their skin or their gender or, you know, where they grew up. You know, talent is talent. Um, Access is access and everyone should have it. And I think people are really ready to fight for that and seeing that even within diversity, especially in businesses, people are starting to see now that like, wow, businesses actually thrive the more diverse the right. employee base is. And so like more and more people are seeing the benefits and, and seeing that the value that people bring and diverse voices bring. And so there are more aspects of it, I think, that are coming to the table and people are willing to explore that they weren't willing to do in the past. How do we make space to hear different perspectives, not only in the workplace, but also in our personal lives? Oftentimes, um, you know, I've been doing this work for a while. Oftentimes, the reluctance to hear, it comes from fear. You know, things that we've heard or we've been told or taught and and this fear that something's going to be taken away from us or that, you know, we won't be able to do something or, you know, these bad things are going to happen. And it's like, if we could just set aside the fear and make space to hear these different perspectives and recognize that, you know, at the end of the day, someone's experience may be different, but ultimately everybody's looking for the same thing, right? They want to thrive. They want to have a good lived experience. And so looking for those commonalities and finding that as a starting point to just listen and hear the different perspectives, uh, I think people are often, even people who are starting off in the most polar places, uh, they're blown away at the similarities that are there, but the places and ways in which they're able to connect and, and find connecting points. It's just being willing to just slow down and really listen and put aside the assumptions and what we thought we were going to hear and what we think we know, and really let a person tell their story for themselves. Let them tell you where they want to be and what they've been through. It makes a huge difference. I've had people on this podcast and they've talked about the term unconscious bias. And I think we all have it in in some way, shape or form, whether we realize it or not. How do you kind of remove that unconscious bias so that you can understand people that you're working with or people that you're friends with better? That's a really good question. And, you know, sometimes it's like a hot term right now and it, and it gets, it gets loaded in that like, Oh, it's a really negative thing. First and foremost, recognizing that it's a natural thing, right? It's part of human evolution, our unconscious bias or our biases are what help us to survive. It helps us to make sense of what we see going on around us. And when we recognize it as a natural thing, we say, okay, I have bias. It's natural. So 
knowing this, I have to be intentional about saying my mind automatically does this. So I have to slow myself down. And when I listen to someone or when I enter a room and I have some immediate thoughts or, um, you know, reasons for why I'm believing X, Y, and Z or why I don't believe X, Y, and Z, taking the, the time to say, well, where'd that come from? Why, why do I believe that? Is it based on what that person actually said or did? Or is there something else underlying there? Or if something is making me uncomfortable, did this person actually say or do something that made me uncomfortable? Or is there something else there? It's just slowing down to kind of unpack and ask yourself the question. Because unconscious means it's underneath. And so you have to be willing to be intentional and, and ask yourself those questions. And no, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're racist and you're against folks. It's a natural process that all of us do. Hmm. And so we just have to be intentional about going against it and asking ourselves those questions to see, is there a little something there? You work with a lot of different organizations. And you know we also talk about on this podcast a lot, everything starts from the top the leaders set the tone. So when you're coaching leaders and asking them to model DEI for their organization, how do you go about coaching them? First and foremost, I tell people to be authentic, right? Um, None of us are perfect. Uh, On this podcast, you know, what you may not know is that I'm a black woman and sometimes People assume like, oh, she's a person of color, so she and she does DEI, so she gets this. You know, I, I offend people too. I say and do the wrong thing too. No one is perfect. The best we can do is be authentic. And so it's not about let me learn all the right words so I can say and do all the right things at all, you know, all the time. It's really about how do I show up in a way that lets people know that I care about this in a genuine way. And in those moments where maybe I do say the wrong things or maybe, you know, I am a bit insensitive unintentionally, how do I recover from that to let people know that I'm learning from my mistakes and I want to keep moving forward and I want us to move forward in community? That's what's most important. No one's looking for anybody to be perfect, right? Like, who's perfect? We're looking for people who are going to be genuine and who are serious about saying like, yeah, we care about people. We care about our community and doing the right thing. Not about, you know, always just saying the right words and putting on a show. And that's what I, that's what I work with leaders on. And it's, and especially, you know, when you're a leader, especially in the C-suite, that's really hard because, you know, the stakes are high. People are looking for you to get it right. So as a leader, how do you walk that line of being really genuine, but then also being able to recover in those moments where you don't, More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. So what would be some tangible examples that if 
someone's working in a company, they're listening to this and they're saying, you know, I need to help my leader or we need to be more inclusive. What are, are there some exercises you can suggest? What can organizations do to uh, kind of lead by example? Uh, you know, there's a couple of things. That's a good question. And a lot of people are asking. One of the first questions that I always ask an organization is what's your why? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are doing DEI pledges. Uh, they're saying that diversity and inclusion is important. And, you know, my answer to that is absolutely. Why is it important? Because if your only answer is because it's the right thing to do, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that stake, that stake is, it, it. that is true. It is the right thing to do for many, but that stake is not going to go very far in the ground. What's going to ground you and be your anchor when you come against opposition are those really challenging moments and difficult conversations. You know, if you're a business, what is your business grounding for having a DEI priority? You really need to know, I mean, and really know why this is important. And I mean, I agree it is the right thing to do. I'm all about people and humanity. But from a business perspective, I 100% believe that diversity is the right thing because it strengthens the thinking, the creativity, the productivity, your customer base, right? Like if, if you don't know that for your business, you're in trouble. You're missing a huge market right there, right? So that's just one example. So when a business or a business leader says, oh, you know, we're all for DEI, why are you for DEI? Is it for social justice reasons? Is it because you want to better your business? Is it because you're trying to expand your market? Why are you for DEI? And and if it's for business, don't be afraid to say it. Say it. Own it. Make that a part of the mission of the business and make sure everyone in your business is behind. It's very simple. I'm going to ask an uncomfortable question. It seems like there are some organizations out there that, you know, again, it's not authentic to them. And it's a check the box. And we want to say that we have, you know, this many diverse employees working for our organization based on what you're saying, like that's pretty easy to see through. And eventually you're going to see that it's not authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that ends up doing more harm than good. And the bottom line is we all know we can't be all things to all people. So first and foremost, you got to go to the mission of the company and what, where your priorities are and, and what can you do? What can you begin to chip away at and what makes sense for uh, the vision of the leadership? And that's what you need to focus on instead of just, you know, parroting what you see everybody else doing because you think that's good PR. Because in the end, it comes back to bite you because we see that it's not real. Let's take a step back from that. What is the best way to convince your senior leadership that DEI needs to be an integral part of the company's DNA? Like what if there's a company out there and and they don't even recognize that they should be more diverse? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, Really like tactfully, what I would look at is what is the business for your leaders and the culture of your business? What's most important? And what are they focusing on, right? Because there are numerous values uh, for diversity. Now, if we can't get someone to be interested in it for the social justice cause or diversity 
you know, for the sake of diversity, then what do they care about? Is it because they're, do they care about trying to get a larger market, right? They want to be able to get their product out to a, a larger community base. Then that's what you focus on. So if we had a more diverse sales team, then does that mean that we could open up the markets that we're selling to? Then that's the approach that you need to take. Um, you know, are you trying to go global? Again, are there different um, demographics that you need to have represented within the company to be able to have that sort of outreach? Then that's the approach that you take. So if they're not going for the typical diversity um, initiatives that people are responding to, then go to the mission of the company and what the current priorities are and think about what aspects of diversity and inclusion could really help impact and propel those initiatives forward. And that's the thing like that you tag onto and really try to get your leaders to find the, the uh, benefits to because diversity, there are so many benefits to diversifying your workforce. And it's about finding the benefits that work for your company. And that could be your entree if you have a resistant leadership team. And it's also about listening too, because we've seen a lot of companies who do the superficial stuff get in trouble, right? And it leads to a lot of bad PR. So take the time to listen. If folks are resistant, find out why they're resistant. What are the things that they might be worried about? What pitfalls are they trying to avoid? Because there are ways that you can suggest strategies or some approaches where you can avoid those things that they're worried about and present a pathway that can get them to success. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. You've mentioned PR a couple of times, and this is always a, a slippery slope too. Companies struggle with, when do I put out news about our DEI versus when do we just do it and you know let it speak for itself? So what would your answer to that be? Because you know, I can see how companies would be criticized. Oh, look, the only reason they're doing this is for PR purposes, when in fact they're just trying to shine the light on some of their best efforts. That's a great question. And I kind of sigh because to me, you should never be doing, I'm going to put the word, you know, there should never be a look what we're doing just for the sake of look at what mm -hmm. we're doing. Mm -hmm. If you have some actual outcomes, outcomes in terms of, Look at the communities that are benefiting because of the work that we're doing. Right. Right. Like, for example, you know, typically, um, you know, you see these demographics are underrepresented in engineering. But because we have initiated these hiring practices, we've seen our numbers grow up by X percent. That's a different story, right? Other people could benefit from your lessons learned. That's not just look what we did. Right. That's sharing some lessons learned that others can benefit from. That's a different way of telling stories. But just, you know, saying like, oh, look at us. We've hired five more. 
you know, that's, that's a whole different story. And, and even in the way that I just said that, that feels gross, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it's the intention behind it. If, if the intention behind it is just spotlight, look at us, you're already started down the wrong path. But if the intention is bettering the community as a whole and sharing, um, you know, best practices and promising outcomes, then that's a different story because you're just trying to elevate the entire community. Again, you do consulting for a number of different companies and organizations. If I'm an entry-level or mid-level employee and I want to communicate with the senior leaders in my organization, what are your recommendations on the best way to do that? You know, that depends on the organization. You know, it's the culture of the organization because honestly, some organizations aren't open to that and aren't responsive to that. and so. So do you have a, are you working at a company where there are communication channels for you to even do that? And we're in a really interesting time with the pandemic now that most people are remote or hybrid. Some of those more informal, you know, where maybe you could have lunches or bump into uh, a manager or upper level executive, you know, at an event, they don't really exist. But, you know, are there Slack channels? I know a lot of companies are using Slack or other types of uh, chatting platforms where you can communicate a little more informally. Um, is there an opportunity to just email someone? I mean, I say take the chance and just do it and give feedback. And here's the deal. Here's something that's really important. Um, feedback is good, especially when it's constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. And by constructive feedback, I don't mean that we have to kiss up and you know make everything sound like it's great, but you know, and pointing out something that's wrong or, or that, you know, it's falling a little short, provide some suggestions. What, what, what are you looking for? What are you expecting? Because especially, you know, in the spirit of diversity, if you're bringing a different perspective or looking for a different experience, it may be helpful for you to shed some light on what it could look like, what you were hoping for, because perhaps that that experience is foreign to them. So they, they don't know what you're talking about. So it's an opportunity for you to share that information. Um, so I would say, you know, just reach out and try, but um, pay attention to the culture of your organization, because honestly, some organizations aren't open to that. And I would hate for um, a more or junior employee or an entry level employee to try to reach out hoping to get a positive response and it not be the culture of the organization. Definitely ask around for some folks who are more veteran who have been there for a while and, and get their take. You know, are, are people receptive to that? What advice do they have about providing that kind of feedback and, and get a feel for it? But definitely, if you have the opportunity to use your voice and give feedback and, and provide some suggestions of how to be more inclusive and, and different perspectives, share where you can. Tara, just a few minutes left. A lot of companies struggle with where do we find the pool of diverse candidates? What's your answer to that? They're out there. Uh, The number one way to recruit is to be a place where diverse candidates want to be. I'll let you know the number one secret uh, that I tell people when I'm working with them. Uh, For underrepresented candidates, for candidates of color, like we know where the good places to work are. We know where to not go. When a place is a desirable workplace, even if you just have a few there, the few chat. And next thing you know, you begin to see more applications 
from folks of color and underrepresented candidates because you begin to get a reputation of this is a good place to work. And so in addition to the traditional things you do by going to the different listservs or uh, different associations that might that might have uh, more underrepresented candidates, it's making sure that once you hire people, you retain them. You have an inclusive environment where people can be their true authentic self, where they're comfortable in the workplace, where they're able to uh, stay and promote and have a thriving career there. And that it's a place where they want to tell their friends, family, and people in the community or someone who finds them on LinkedIn, hey, I'm thinking about applying there. Is that a good place to work? They say, oh, yeah, you should definitely apply. And let me tell you why. That's the number one recruitment tool that you have. And so while people are spending thousands of dollars on recruiters, this, that, and the other, your best recruiter is right there in the company. So how well are you taking care of the folks within? Because those are your number one recruiters. Such great there advice. Candidates out there. Yeah, such great advice. And I think you're right. A lot of organizations don't think about that. The last question I have for you is just the landscape of DEI. It's changed so much as we discussed at the top of this conversation in the last couple of years. Where do you see this going from here? Two things will happen. Uh, for those companies that are just doing the superficial stuff, it's going to fizzle out. and uh, their company doors are going to remain a revolving door. So mm. their diversity, their numbers in terms of diversity are going to remain low. Uh, but for companies who are taking it seriously and really using this as an opportunity to do something new and transformative around inclusion and do things different and make sure they are getting diversity at every level, including C-suite, including their boards, uh, making sure that diversity is at you know, within all the stakeholders, they're going to really begin to see some transformation in their organizations around diversity, and they're going to see sustaining change. And so I think, you know, things really are going to be different in many areas moving forward. And I think also, because, like, I'm going to be honest, there was this big fear of like, oh, no, you know, what does this mean for white people? What does this mean for the white male? We're going to see that inclusion means including everyone. Everyone will have a seat at the table. Everyone will be represented. And so some of those fears are just the questions of what does diversity really look like? We're going to see the answer and we're going to see that there's space for everyone. That, that's what I'm hoping and looking forward to. Tara Cooper, this has been so insightful. Thank you so much for joining the Learning Unlocked podcast. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.